that was a clap. <laughs> Hello, everybody out in podcast listening world. Friends in the Ukraine. Are, are Ukrainian friends? Thank you. Hello. It's National Podcast Day that we're recording this. And if you know us, you know that that was completely by accident. By accident. We are far more apt to know when National Donut Day is or <laughs> National Hot Dog Day, but today You're a is. big fan of National Corn Dog Day, right? Like you go to Wiener Schnitzel. Right. Here's a little I get known push fact. notifications. Ryan gets push <laughs> notifications from Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> you got to know what's going down at the schnitzel. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At any rate, here we are, our National Schnitzel. Podcast Day, and we are continuing in kind of this, I won't call it a series, but it's a stream of thought. Is that okay? Yeah, it's perfectly non-structural, which matches us. <laughs> it's just a stream of thought, which loosely connects to past conversations. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. And if you've been listening, you know that kind of something we've been tracking with is this idea of um, scary good. Things that perhaps we on the surface think sound great, but then um, as you dig into them a little bit, maybe how those things play out uh, is upsetting or Mm -hmm. frustrating or not how we thought that they should play out. Mm Um, and we especially find this distinction in like, um, people who have grown up in the church, we tend to have this one understanding of a variety of religious topics. And then, um, it's upsetting when we find out that maybe they're different than we understood. And so today we are going to talk about grace, grace, Dun, dun, dun. And most of us, we're great with the grace that gets us in the door. We love, mm-hmm. we love grace. But then we start to have demands. We start to have things that we need to measure and make sure we see progress in the life of. And we're not okay to keep extending grace to people who have needed it once before. And I think <laughs> then we... Uh, How dare you? Then we forget the grace that someone once gave us, right? And we uh, remove that from giving to others. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's true. And um, I think here's the funny thing about grace and specific and why we think that it is scary good. It's because um, we can fully recognize that we're hot messes, Mm -hmm. that we regularly don't measure up, that we need a little help here and there. And so we kind of see grace as something that fills the gap, right? It like buffs over the, the trouble places in our lives. Right. Um, but we tend to operate on the assumption that we're not that bad. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of worse people out there than Mm me. Right. And so I only need a little grace, a little grace because I'm 90% pretty pretty good right so love should give me 10 percent of that grace right and when we do something bad uh, there's you know there's grace it's not and it wasn't that bad anyways right and so just a little just a little more grace and we don't feel bad when we continually mess up in small ways that requires a little bit more Mm -hmm. grace (sighs) (laughs) unless right so think about think about our relationships and and maybe in your marriage maybe maybe in your friend relationships maybe in your family relationships that could be a common (laughs) phrase like hey i need a little grace give me a little grace and um 
If that is a common phrase, you may have also had a common internal voice at times, which begins to count the number of times they say, give me some grace. And you go, well, we're like 15 times in here. Do better. Yeah. Let's make some change. <laughs> That's what my internal conversation says. Do better. <laughs> and the thing is too, is like a religion does that too. That's Christianity right. yeah. does that too. Mm-hmm. Like you're good to come in the door as you are, but when you come back next week, be better. Let's up the ante. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please right? come back better. Please don't come back the same broken person. Please don't come back with the same um, alcohol problems. Please don't come back with the same bad attitude, the same anger issues, the same lack of trust, the same problems with faith. Mm -hmm. Please come back better. Um, This makes me think of a very funny Ruby anecdote. So Ruby's my eight-year-old daughter. Ukraine friends. And, um, I love our Ukraine friends. Just keep talking to them. She was right. We were up in Tahoe on a vacation and drew my husband was driving and my sister Holly and my daughter Ruby were in the back seat. And this man, I'm sure you have all had this experience where you're waiting for somebody to cross the road and they're in no rush. They saunter kind of aimlessly, you know, when they do like the kind of angled route that is going to take them much longer than if they had just gone straight across the road. And so Drew and Holly and everybody in the car is getting frustrated that this guy is like holding us up. And I, you know, of course, being who I am, I was like, you guys, maybe he's doing his best. And Ruby from the back seat goes, I wish his best was better. Yes. <laughs> and like, I've never felt something more deeply in my soul than like wishing that somebody's best was better. And I think whenever we are trying to apply grace to somebody else, we secretly, we secretly were like, dang it. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you some grace, but frankly, I wish your best was better. Yeah. Like do better. <laughs> yeah. So that's the one, that's one issue with grace. Um, that we tend to feel fine accepting grace, but we have a lot of issues. We get consternated when we have to offer that grace to other people. Mm -hmm. But what I first want to talk about is this, okay, we're going to be relying heavily on our friends, the table network, because Mm -hmm. you know, like when you read something and you're like, well, I don't need to say it differently because they already said it. Totally. Great. They did their best and it, I can't do better. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, and like the table network guys often say, you share what you're excited about and we're excited about this. Yes. And we've led, so for those of you following Uncommon Good or a part of it, we've had, um, we have small groups and one of the one of the studies, if you will, or one of the conversations in several small groups, and it's always ongoing, is through a book called Reclaim, which is um, produced and written by Table Network and our friends Russ Johnson and Tony. And like, it is uh, so cool to not only read their words, but to know those guys. And, and this Reclaim study is honestly awesome. We recommend it for anyone um, journeying in their, in their faith with Jesus and growing and questioning and wrestling and wondering about topics such as grace. Mm-hmm. And this chapter, chapter four and five in Reclaim, um, hit some great nuggets about grace that tend to irritate the religious. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is what, that's the conversation we're bringing to the table today. 
Okay, I'm going to read a section from chapter five, and we're going to jump through a couple little chapters and read some different sections. But this, um, I think, so perfectly captures um, the religious, quote unquote, um, problem with grace. So people who have grown up in the church, people who um, have been taught grace from like a young age, right? Um, Here's what they say. Um, That grace and its practices have been tied to conditional promises, right? So many of us growing up in the church um, might have felt that if I do good, God likes me. If I do bad, I'm on the bad list, right? Kind Mm -hmm. of like an eternal Santa Claus, Mm -hmm. right? Very, very similar concept. Um, it says this robbing belief that our relationship is established with God, maintained with God or lost with God based on how well we hold up our end of the bargain. This explains why we turn to the law or rules, right? This, to put it in our own words, this explains why we really are fans of rules and checklists, right? It points to the harmony with God and others um, and what that looks like. It turns it into a ladder we need to climb to obtain and maintain our acceptance. Um, what do you guys, do you guys have experience with that feeling? Um, how has that changed over the years? Oh, I see Ryan. He's well, ready. This is, this is so human. And so the fun part, like... I love history. I love looking at um, anthropology. I love looking at um, the study of world religions and where did they begin? How did they begin? What are their similarities? And um, what we see throughout throughout history is constantly humans being aware of a larger power, deity or deities, um, and knowing that they have to, or having this intrinsic desire that I have to perform, mm-hmm. um, and that my value is based on my moral performance. So if I am a good person, the gods or the God will be happy with me. Mm-hmm. And it's always been transactional. And Do good, get good. and um, Which is not very different than the concept of karma. Very much so. That's world religions. We all have mm-hmm. this commonality that, um, that yeah, the love of the deity is based upon our performance. Mm-hmm. That's right. And grace breaks that up. And it is a distinction yeah. of Christianity that, that stands apart and right. is, a, is an oddball. Mm-hmm. But even though it is an oddball, we still treat it with that same approach because yes. I feel like... For me, when I think about grace, it's almost like in my initial understandings of grace, it's like, oh yeah, grace is is ready and available to you, and no matter what you do, there's grace. But at a certain point, you're going to have to get to a point where you don't need the grace anymore, or you don't need as much grace, and that's how you know you're growing. (laughs) And that is just completely not what it's about. Totally. Like you needed Jesus at the start. And in fact, this reminds me of a, a Ken Blanchard word. When, when, when Ken Blanchard was learning about Jesus, was learning about the truly good news, he was given this example that um, he was asked a question like, hey, do you think you're perfect? On a scale of zero, 
being the worst of the worst and, and 100 being perfect, where would you base yourself? And, you know, everyone has different answers. And I forget what Ken's answer was, you know. I think he gave himself um, a C. A C, okay. <laughs> yeah, I could see Ken saying that. I was like, a C, a C, you know, maybe, maybe B minus. Anyways, <laughs> and then the person that was sharing with him said, well, this is what grace is. Um, since you're aware that you're not perfect, Jesus is the one who, who makes up the gap between your, your C and the hundred, between your 80 and the hundred. Mm-hmm. And, um, but oftentimes what we tag on Cody is exactly what you were saying. Like, all right. So you needed, you needed 20 points from Jesus last week. So next week, you know, you should just need 15 mm-hmm. and eventually maybe you don't need Jesus, which mm-hmm. no, Christian institution would say, but sometimes our understanding of uh, sanctification, Mm -hmm. which is becoming more like Jesus over time, you know, the Mm -hmm. theological buzzword, is that, uh, oh, you're doing great. Like, you need less grace now. Mm -hmm. You've got it. But the shocking thing about it is that often has very little to do with inner transformation. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, um, inner transformation is a difficult thing to measure, right? Yeah. So as a church leader, um, I can't measure your inner transformation. I can only measure how many times you come to Bible study, right. how many mission trips you sign up for, how many bags of canned foods you help us deliver, you know. Um, yeah, it's tied to that outward behavior. Performance, performance yeah. Exactly. Well, and churches, one... I want to back up one second. I don't want people to think that I only believe that sanctification is a process of the human trying to be perfect and to dismiss <laughs> the need of Jesus, right? I actually think true sanctification is this internal process of God working on your heart and changing who you are mm-hmm. um, based on his power, his lead, and the yeah. spirit moving through you. That's different than our performance without God working right. through totally. us. So, so there's like personal drive sanctification, which is based on moral performance and our, our eyes, that that's what makes us yeah. valuable in God's eyes. Or there's the internal sanctification of God just changing your heart mm-hmm. over time. And that's beautiful. And that is good and true. It's the other man-made performance for, for to make God smile upon them. That's right. wrong. <laughs> and then we know though, like there's a mantra in any business across whether, you know, whatever business it is, including churches, that you cannot manage what you can't measure, right? <laughs> mm. And out of the drive for even yeah. all churches and religious institutions to be responsible with their people and the money that they give mm-hmm. them, they want to try to manage, and so therefore they need to measure. And what we can measure is attendance. Mm -hmm. We can measure the percentage that are in small groups. We can manage how many cans of soup and how much did they weigh, you know, in the last three months. And, and like all of those things are things that we can measure. So we tend to manage and we think that that's internal transformation, but it may not be. Mm -hmm. And okay. So I want to read this because it perfectly ties in another section, but, um, that, measurement system is crushing because to the individual, because no matter how much externally you might be showing up to church eight times a week and bringing in, you know, hundreds of bags of food and show, you know, sitting your butt in the pew religiously every week, 
um, you know, on the inside that there's, you're still messed up. And so what we then understand is, well, I'm just not running fast enough. Like I can't keep up with this treadmill. So I just need to run faster. I need to do more. I need to work harder. And that carrot just keeps moving because we've completely misunderstood what grace is actually about. Mm -hmm. So let me read this, um, again from reclaim chapter five. Um, the guys say, think about it. If Jesus's teachings had followed this narrative, um, if he had shown up with tools to help us better measure map and manage our personal progress, would the people in power have been furious enough to murder him? Probably not. If Jesus's message messages were about how he came to improve the improvable, then they would have welcomed him with open arms, given him a book deal or a new show on Netflix. <laughs> we love the idea of controlling our own destiny, which is why we cling to experts who claim they can help us do so. We don't crucify them. But based on how things went for Jesus, we know he was saying something entirely different than the societal norm. Throughout his journey, he continues to unpack stories, parables about what God was like, all of which are at odds with conditional promises and the call to map, measure, and manage our way forward. This explains why Jesus continued to say his mission on earth was to die for and resurrect us, not repair us. Hmm. So that's like a completely different philosophy. Mm -hmm. That's not like, I just need a little bit of work done. I just need to run a little faster on the treadmill. I just need to pack a few more bags of soup. It's different. It's like going to the self-help category in the bookstore and getting a book that's just going to improve you. It's going to take you to the next level. It's going to make you feel more whole. And it's going to make you just a better person. And you open it up and, and all it says is, I love you. Gave my life for you. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. have coffee. You're valued as you are. Mm -hmm. You loved as you are. And that's it. And you're like, how does that, but, but what do I do? But what do I do? <laughs> right. And that's what religion drives you to is, but what do I do? And grace is literally saying you could do nothing. Yeah. You could never change. You could not improve ever. And I would still love you. You would mm -hmm. still be welcomed. I'd still invite you for coffee. It is still finished. But, yeah. but, but, but what if, you know, after six months, I haven't gotten any better? That's fine. Yeah. It's okay. What the, if I have six years? Still love you. Still fine. Unconditional. That, and that's the beauty of it. That's the good news is the unconditional love no matter what. But the scary part is <laughs> the lack of control. And we love control. That's right. <laughs> So, what do what what do I have control of at that point? Well, and what do um, leaders of the faith have control over <clears throat> helping us? Like mm -hmm. it, it almost puts religious leaders out of a job. If we're going to be really honest, because what it's saying is, no, you're fine. Don't come. Don't come to church. Don't. That is not the measure of. You earning your grace. Don't stop drinking. That's not the... And we, like, our brain starts to explode, right? If you don't stop doing drugs, I will still extend the same amount of grace to you. What? That's when grace starts to become a little scary. <laughs> 
right? Especially for those of us that feel like we have been running on that treadmill, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How I have run my ass off on this treadmill. How (laughs) dare you say that that guy can just sit there and do nothing? Well, and my programs are good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and this is no, this is no, um, disparaging disparate. Yeah. That word, this isn't a, a negative rant or destruction of church programs because we've all been behind creating ones that we Mm -hmm. absolutely believe that honestly, if people read this and they show up and they do life together, they're going to have a better life. And and we still believe that. Totally. But here's where it damages the marketing ploy is that you don't need this. And marketing today makes you need, need, need the product. You need this thing to shine the plastic on your motorcycles and off-road vehicles. Mm -hmm. You need this thing. I never think I need that. I do. I see them all the time on my Instagram feed that I need this product Mm -hmm. to make, you know, whatever you love just better. Right. The need, need, need is marketing. And honestly too, in, in the church, we create such a, um, a high value on, on programs and times and things like that, that we make people think that they need this product to, have God more pleased with our lives. And in Stay the in fact good that Jesus already <laughs> yeah. said, I loved you as you are. I gave my life for you as you are. And it is done. It is finished. Now just walk with me. Um, it was interesting in the reading for this behind, um, behind that chapter. Um, actually, I think it's in chapter five of Reclaim. Um, they talk about what came first, relationship with God or law. And in Exodus, it's so clear that God mm-hmm. had already pursued um, the Israelites before the before the giving of law and your mm-hmm. your performance. Like this is the mm-hmm. law that shows you how to live the best life possible, right? Um, God was already pursuing them mm-hmm. and had already created a, a relationship with them. And relationship always comes before any law, because it's then God who transforms your heart to live in that way, not you in your own power. And I think that is the, the oddity of Christianity is that Jesus came and said, it's not about you. It's about me Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. It's about the God of the universe giving life for you to have relationship with you. You just be you and you're loved as you. Mm -hmm. And that love Absolutely leads to transformation. Yes. But it's not out of our intention. It's out of his activity in our lives. Mm-hmm. So some people would call this cheap grace, right? That God just frivol like that it it's irresponsible of certain church leaders to just throw grace around cheaply. Um, And so let me read this little section for you from Reclaim. This is in chapter four. It says, we think Steve Brown said it well. Cheap grace? Listen, if it weren't cheap, you and I couldn't afford it. If it cost us one thing, if it cost us our commitment, our obedience, our religious action, or anything else, it would remain in the store on the shelf. We understand the frustration of those who cry cheap grace. They're fearful that it will lead to a careless and lawless life. However, the question isn't about whether or not grace is in harmony or opposed to our efforts, because the point is grace doesn't need our efforts, nor has it ever asked for them. Mm. Boom. (laughs) Can y'all just sit with that? 
Yeah. <laughs> Here's there. Oh, go, go uh, I was gonna. Well, I may have shared this story before, but um, the funny thing <laughs> about this is that we went through reclaim, and and then after we went through reclaim, we went to dinner with Tony and Russ. <laughs> Oh, I still remember this. I don't think you've shared this. And I, I, sh- I share it with every Reclaim group, but <clears throat> I'll share it with you guys. Uh, we're sitting at the table, and we're talking about this very thing. And everybody at the table is like, yeah, except me. Because <laughs> I'm like, I got questions, guys. <laughs> and talking about what, what, what came up in that uh that quote just now is, is grace opposed to effort? I mean, what, if, if it's, if it's all about grace and all about grace, then like, you know, I got to do something, right? I can't just be frivolous and, 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 and not do anything with my faith. However, I don't think it was, and I don't think it traditionally is. I don't have to do anything. It's they, those other people. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. And how can I hold them responsible? That's the two sides of the same coin. Yeah. How do I, as a, how do I hold somebody that I'm leading as a spiritual leader yes. responsible? How do I know that I'm being held responsible? Kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, and Russ just he smiled. He looked at me with his freaking Southern accent. Well, he didn't look at me with an accent. He looked at me with his eyes, <laughs> and then <laughs> came the accent. <laughs> and he just said, "Man." Have you ever known anybody that understands the grace of God and does nothing with it? And I said, no. Also, that was a really good Russ impression. That was a good Russ impression. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, Russ, for showing up right now through Cody. (laughs) It was that moment that I was like, oh, yeah. Somebody who really, truly grasps grasps the gravity and 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 the the reality of god's grace they're not going to just sit by and do nothing with it Mm -hmm. and so why do we as church leaders as spiritual leaders as even individuals why do we feel like there's some some like treadmill that we have to get on and effort that we have to put forward when you know when we really embrace it it's going to happen it's going to happen regardless so i'm wondering for for the listener, for the person as we, as we get towards the, the end of this podcast, right here, um, why did you guys want to talk about grace? Why is it something that Uncommon Good wants to spread word of when probably every church on Sunday on every corner of your city, wherever you're listening, probably uses that word? Is there a misunderstanding that somewhere? Is there, what's, what's the big deal, Cody and Don, that you, why do you want to talk about grace for whoever's listening? For me, I got sparked on it when we were talking about some of our other topics in Scary Good, because it just was so clear that this is how we treat grace as well. If we approach grace from a very surface level or from a very um, religious level, uh, grace can appear like a a nice but also kind of intense thing 
right? Like it's, Oh good. I get grace. I don't have to be perfect. Thank goodness. Cause I'm not, but also I better start working really hard to be better because that's what grace does. Right. Um, but when you scratch the surface of grace, it gets really tough, really quick. It gets pretty scary, pretty quick because how do we say that it's okay for somebody to never change their bad habits and still be loved by God. That's a hard pill for some of us to swallow. Mm-hmm. Even now I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, we can't tell people that because <laughs> they've got to stop doing bad things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to lose control. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be crazy. It does. It get, and it gets lawless, right? Yeah. It, that's how, that's the fear. Well, I think that the other fear is that when you start talking about that, people think that you're, people think that you're saying it's okay to do those wrong things. When people hear this conversation about grace, they think that we're talking about license mm-hmm. <laughs> to just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's point. not what it is. Um, it's, it's the freedom. And this is what I would want people to know. It's the freedom to not feel like you have to strive to make something happen and the freedom of letting go mm-hmm. and, and allowing God to work because that's the, trying to control it all the time. You're missing the opportunity of God doing the work. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're even missing the signs of when he is doing the work because you're constantly trying to control it and you're seeing how you're falling short That's right. time, mm-hmm. time, time mm-hmm. again. But you let go. Y- you embrace that grace. You let go of the control and you start to see God working. And maybe it's not going to be right away. Maybe it's not going to be as big as you want it to be, but he's going to be doing the work that he wants to do in your life no matter how long it takes. And you know? despite your effort or mm-hmm. lack thereof. Yeah. It's interesting in James, James refers to um, law, the moral law. Like I met so many people think that, you know, it goes, everything goes back to the 10 commandments, you know, these laws that were laid out and so many more throughout time. And so much talk now of, of laws, laws that need reform, laws that need change, laws, laws, laws determine and tell us what is right and wrong. Um, in James, our, my dog is having a bad dream over there. So if you guys hear that, <laughs> Bodhi has bad dreams. If you want to go shake him, oh my God. But laws, laws referred to as a mirror in James. And it's not just the mirror you look into every day to fix yourself up to look good for the world. It's, it's actually the mirror that, that when you are feeling your worst moments and you catch yourself looking into the mirror and seeing just everything that's wrong with you. Um, everything that's unlovable, all the ways that you treated the ones that you love most poorly, all the cracks in your facade that you don't Mm -hmm. want others to see. It's that mirror. And that's what law shows. And grace Mm -hmm. is what goes, I love you with all your cracks. Mm -hmm. I love you with all your imperfections. I love you as you are. And it's not your actions that determine your value. It's actually the way God sees you that determines your value because mm-hmm. he sees you as his kid. And that, that grace is what drove Jesus to say, this truth, I am the way, the truth, and light, right? And truth will set you free. Another one of his 
sentences, right? That that should arrive at freedom for your soul. That I'm truly loved as as mm-hmm. as we are. And here's the here's the danger of it. You think that would lead to lawlessness. But over and over again, I keep coming to this phrase with what we're doing with uncommon good that I actually have the faith that believes that that is transformational and that I don't have to create a program that's going to cause transformation to someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually think if you understand wherever you're at listening to this and for us here and, and, and everything, if we truly understand the grace that God has for us and the love that he has for us as we are, if we truly understand that, that's going to have us love others differently. That's going to have mm-hmm. us feel more valued and more precious on the inside. And it's going to change the way that mm-hmm. we live our lives. Mm-hmm. And God's spirit in you is going to start this walk with you, this journey with you that doesn't feel like a drive to perform, but just feels like a desire to do life different. Mm-hmm. And that grace is the movement or the, the catalyst of God working in your life. So to wrap up, um, I just want to share kind of the human um, story on that or my personal story on that that might help bring this into perspective for people. Um, because I think part of the transformation of grace is um, the realization of being loved at your most unlovable and not being told, I love you, but it would be great if you changed, <laughs> right? Like that's different. But no, like I see you in the pit right now and I, I love you. I still love you, you know? Um, so about a year ago I was really struggling with um, anxiety and depression and most people, even Ryan and Cody, like didn't fully understand. Um, cause I could, you know, after years of church ministry, <laughs> I was really great at putting on the dawn coat and just like showing up to be who I am supposed to be. Um, but the person who saw it was Drew, you know, um, saw me having breakdowns, saw me not being able to do simple things, saw me, you know, losing my mind over whatever it was. And, um, like, I will never forget that during that season there, the only message that he had for me was like, I, I, you're fine. I love you. Like, this is okay. Because even from myself, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm a hot mess, right? Like I'm together. I have it together enough to know that like, this is crazy town for everybody. So I'm so sorry. Like I would constantly apologize to him. And he was like, you're fine. It's okay. Mm. Uh, Like, I love you. This is, this is what family is. This is what family does. Like, that's what love is, right? That's unconditional love. And that's what I think of when I think of God looking at us in our dirtiest moments, you know, and being like, it's okay. No, I love you. Like what? Stop. And it took me a long time to get better, right? Like I apologized for a long time and Drew had to say that same sentence over and over and over again. Um, but it, that feeling of security and love was like the first foothold that I had to like start to feel better, you know? Mm. Mm. That's grace. That's yeah. grace. And I think too I like that, guy, Drew. that once you once you get grace for you, 
it's easier for you to give grace to mm-hmm. others. Um, and then, uh, and that's a challenge to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I know that we want to be a part of, of a movement that gives more grace to the mm-hmm. world and introduces more people to God's grace that says we're loved as you are. Let's walk together as you mm-hmm. are. And, uh, may that be a part of what people hear today on national podcast day <laughs> in the middle of 2020 when we all need a lot of grace oh hey that reminds me <laughs> listeners we have an uncommon good spotify playlist that we yes. have slowly been putting together that have messages and uh, echoes of what we just talked about in different song lyrics and uh, we encourage you guys to listen to that. We'll provide a link. And we mm-hmm. also encourage our community. Can you listen to Spotify in Ukraine? Oh, I bet. I'm sure. Yeah. We also so. encourage our, our community to add, add to the playlist. I will be so excited if some Ukrainian songs end up on the playlist. Yeah. You like Ukrainian techno? Yeah. I just imagine that they listen to a lot of techno. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. You guys tell us. Tell us what you listen to. But thank you for listening today. (laughs) All right. We'll link all that up in uh, the description. And uh, we just want to remind you that you are loved, you are valued, and you belong. Truly.